and welcome to Cancer Casually. I'm your host, Lindsay DeLong, and I'm the managing editor of The Fullest. I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 33 when my boyfriend found a lump and made me go get it checked out. A year and a half later, I'm now cured, healthy, and can kind of talk about it all without crying. Each week, I interview inspiring survivors who have come out on the other side of cancer or who are still battling it. We'll talk about our lives before, during, and after cancer and share what we've learned so that our listeners can look at their own lives through a new perspective, whatever that may be. Here's not just how to live with cancer, but how to be there for someone and how to cope as a co-survivor because it's not just a disease that affects you, it affects everyone around you. With this podcast, we hope to inspire others to grasp life no matter what comes at you and always live it to the fullest. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to Cancer Casually again. I am... Lindsay, and I am here with Donna McNutt. She is the cancer fashionista on Instagram. And we just found her and are just absolutely obsessed. Everyone here at the fullest, we love your outfits. They're amazing. And you, I just, we wanted to hear all about you. We want to become friends with you. So that's why we invited you. So Kind of, if you want to just tell us about yourself, um, where you are, I know you live in Laguna now, but where are you from and what kind of cancer? Okay. Um, live in Laguna Beach and, um, I am from California, Mm -hmm. just kind of move. I'm I'm actually from originally from New Jersey, but a transplant here at age six. So, um, California girl, California girl, um, but you never lose Becky's. Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) And so, um, how I found my cancer, um, the thing about having, I have multiple myeloma, which is bone marrow blood cancer. And the thing about, um, these types of cancers is that you don't find a, a lump in one area. Um, any kind of blood cancer is going from your head down to your feet. So for me, um, I woke up one morning, it was uh, April of 2015, about, uh, oh gosh, about maybe 12 weeks, maybe three months before Easter in 2015, I woke up one morning, I had the worst rib pain I had ever had in my life. In your, okay. In my rib area. And my just head, like bad just cramps? So bad. It just or? like, I, oh, yeah. like, did I pull this? Oh. And I, my husband and I used to go dancing mm-hmm. all the time on Friday night. And I what kind of dancing? We used to go to the Marine Room, like fun. with live bands and yeah, dance. Yeah, yeah. We were That's the oldest awesome. people there and it was so much fun. And I was literally thinking like, did I bust a move? <laughs> 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 What's going on? Now, when I tell my cancer story, I have to tell you that most of it is rethinking it and then really absorbing now in hindsight what it was feeling like. I could tell you right now that through that three months of rib pain, I was falling apart in my head. I would lay down in bed and I go, my God, my body's breaking. Like these enormous feelings that I can express now, but I don't know that I knew, you know, a lot of people want to know, why'd you wait so long? Or why don't you go right to the doctor? And almost everyone that I've spoken to now, it's kind of 
you're, I don't know if you want to say denial, but mm -hmm. there is something. You don't just run and say, give me an MRI. Yeah, because you want to be like but, tough but now and maybe it's going to go. Yeah. I go, wow, I was literally um, scared. I'd be out in public and I'd go, oh, I hope that person doesn't knock me down. I'm not going to be able to get back up. Oh, and wow. like really weird feelings like that. Yeah. And so then finally, um, I was seeing a rheumatologist for a totally unrelated um, problem in my body. And I just happened to have an appointment um, the week before Easter. And the pain had gotten so bad in my body that my poor mom, my parents are living and she has arthritis. And she said, oh, honey, put some arthritic patches on. And I remember going to Target and I had patches oh. wrapped around my whole body, just like anything, because the pain was just progressively getting worse. And I had this appointment with this rheumatologist and I walked into her office. And when I sat down, I think I just started crying. I just said, oh my gosh, you know, I just told the doctor, I said, completely unrelated. I said, oh my God, my ribs. And I think that doctor knew right away that something really bad was oh, wrong wow. because a 55 year old, in shape. I was really active at mm -hmm. the time. You know, usually I think she knew my, my ribs were broken just the way I was describing it. Yeah. So she sent me right for x-ray and she called me an hour later and she said, Donna, you have four broken ribs, but she knew, and most doctors would, that you don't spontaneously have your bones break. Oh my so, gosh, you had broken, broken ribs. ribs. Yes. And, and you were living you with know, them. I know. Wow. And, and you should see that, you should hear what I, I mean, I get to hear stories of people who are living with, you know, you know, just incredible problems that were happening that were ever, even going to the doctor, being misdiagnosed, you know, with broken backs and things. My gosh. With the disease. So have you always had like a really high pain tolerance or? I think. I, I might uh -huh. a little bit, yeah. I think, but at the same time, when I think back, it was by the time it, it, it this was coming to an end now, this was the week before Easter. Uh, I finally go to the doctor. It was like by that week, within that week, I am literally in a hospital dying. Like oh it, it was gosh. like that fast. Yeah. So by the time she, you know, said, Donna, we have to take some other tests. She was running those tests. The Easter weekend came and probably what happened was they were doing a test that they made some dye, you know, dye go into my body. And little did anyone know my kidneys were already shutting down because when you have a bone marrow blood cancer, it is filtering all of that calcium that's leaving my rib cage, other bones that are being affected is filtering through my kidneys, wow. clogging them. And so by Easter Sunday, um, I couldn't do the one thing that I do. And no matter what any bad feeling I have, I was sitting on the end of my bed and I was looking in my closet and I couldn't get dressed. Mm. And, and, and is that something that you've always like always. looked forward to? I had just gone to dinner and entertained um, board members from a board that I was on the night before that sick with broken ribs. Like I already knew, but I could, I've always been able to kind of like, let's get it, pull it yeah, together, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and get dressed. And that morning I looked at my husband and I said, you know what? I think you better take me to the hospital. <gasps> And because knew. I couldn't get yeah. dressed mm -hmm. and, um, sent my poor children over to my sister's house. They were older, but you know, still I didn't tell anyone 
you know, and when I walked in the hospital and you go to that little kiosk, little nurse kiosk, yeah. it was like the moment I think they took my blood pressure. I don't even remember from there because they had me in the back IV. It was like, I just remember like it got very fast. Uh-huh. And I, I remember when my feet really did leave the ground, I think I let go of three months of faking it out. Oh. And every part of that pain just hit me. And I just remember saying to the doctor, like, are you going to send me home? Cause you know, sometimes you go and you're like, this really hurts. And they're yeah. like, well, you can still <laughs> yeah. go home after. And I was, and I knew in my heart, I go, I'll never get back up again. Like I knew I'm dying. I'm dying. Something is killing me. And I did end up um, being in the hospital and, um, had that lovely um, bone marrow biopsy and an oncologist came in my room the next day and no one else was there. And she um, is not someone that I stayed with. And Mm -hmm. this is the thing about having any type of um, trauma or disease. You know, doctors don't always get it right the way they speak to you. And she said, "Um, Donna, we found so much cancer, we stopped counting. And, and I was so, um, I was so broken and so sick that it wasn't as traumatic as you think. But at the same time, when I think back of her telling me that, and I just remember asking her, she goes, you have multiple myeloma. And I just said, how long do I have to live? Oh my god! And she said, I think we can buy you five years. And I remember like, wow, you know. And that's how the journey started. And so what, how, what, when you hear that, what are you like? Are you like just wanting to give up or are you, know, you I like think, I think wanting to that fight? was a part of, of almost uh, patients that I meet in the last stage of multiple myeloma. Mm-hmm. I was in the last stage. Wow. And um, I think what I see the most is, gosh, it wasn't, I, I was so broken. Mm. I swear to you, Lindsay, I was so broken that I don't, I don't, I think I was already dying. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, it, like, I don't know that I could absorb. I, I feel so sorry for cancer patients that go to an office with sound mind and body, find a lump and then hear that news. My mind, I, I was having blood transfusion. My kidneys were shutting down. I, I think I didn't, you could have said, Donna, we found a Martian growing, you know, on your back. I, I didn't, I, I swear <laughs> yeah. to you, it was like, I, I don't even know that I could absorb what she was saying. I just know that I stayed in the hospital and it was here um, locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, at two, Hogue? At or, Hogue. Yeah. But it was Hogue Irvine. And um, you became my husband immediately. You know, you become, and this is the thing I would advise most people, whatever cancer you are diagnosed with somewhere, my husband, right away, you start to, um, investigate. Mm-hmm. You have to do your to, own research. If we had for to fly sure. out and, and go to the hospital with multiple myeloma, you know, you don't stay local for a cancer that, that, you know, they don't treat. Oh, where, so where did you go? Well, we were so lucky because city of hope mm-hmm. is one of the leading multiple myeloma hospitals and, and in research. Oh, that's great. And how blessed am I that I didn't have to go 
to MD Anderson yeah. or, you know. So they, you would just make the trip up the 405? I just make the trip. <laughs> but at first, this is the thing with multiple myeloma in this stage, you are in a car wreck. So you're, you're just picture the nastiest car. Like mm-hmm. I had four broken bones, my body, bone cancer. Oh my gosh. I can't describe to anyone the pain from my head to my toes. And anyone listening who has had multiple myeloma knows the pain is the most excruciating pain I've ever had in my life. So I just wanted that out. I wanted to t- that out. Mm-hmm. And that. I had to recover from. So you can't just start the cancer part. Yeah. You got to recover. So how, how did you recover? What was your massive doses of chemotherapy for six months to get that 85% under control, which I was promised when the cancer leaves your bones, you will feel better. Okay. Okay. You will start to feel better. And, um, I did. I really did. And then the next chapter, because we went to the City of Hope, and who is just, it's just a wonderful organization, and I just have the greatest doctor. Um, she was able to outline for me what the next steps would be, and that for me would be a stem cell transplant. Okay. And so we, um, my last podcast, we had uh, Megan who had a bone marrow transplant. Right. So what is, the difference between a stem okay. cell transplant and a bone marrow transplant. Okay. Um, a stem cell transplant is where you're using your stem cells. Okay. And a bone marrow is when you're using the bone marrow. Okay. Well, that's easy. <laughs> the thing about stem cells is, and I never want to make some inaccurate statement about yeah. medical. Yeah. From what my understanding is, um, when bone marrow work, you are cured. Uh, you know, from, uh, I've gone to the bone marrow celebrations. You, you could be 35 years in, you know, uh, cured from okay. a bone marrow transplant. I think one of the gentlemen's like 50 years out. Stem cell is putting you in remission. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I have a cancer at this point that there has been no cure found. And a bone marrow, which I would really um, would would have, I would be the first one to raise my hand. Unfortunately for us patients, um, there is such um, a huge majority that would pass away, that would die, Mm -hmm. that I don't think any insurance or hospital would take that risk. Okay. Okay. Meaning for me too, I think just the kidney damage maybe would have been too much to even do that. I think eventually, I'm really hoping eventually that becomes an option. Yeah. I, I, it's even though it's very hard to go through oh, those yeah. transplants. Yeah. So, what so was the stem cell transplant? The stem like cell, for you? well, from the very beginning, right after I was diagnosed and I had the chemo, that's when I honestly went into what I call my Disneyland phase <laughs> of my cancer. <laughs> I like your analogies, the Martian on the back, the Disneyland phase. Um, oh my gosh, I'm getting a stem cell transplant because I had gone up to City of Hope. The doctor outlined for me. Um, my children, you know, they have access to the internet. Oh my gosh, you know, they you just look up multiple myeloma. You just, it was devastating. Mm-hmm. It was devastating. So, you know, I suddenly... Um, Mom's going in remission 100%. I am fighting towards this. And I had this, this just 
this is the greatest thing. I had absolutely no fear going into my stem. Everything was just like, I'm going to pull. See, you can, you can pull your own stems and you can use your own stems if you can pull enough or you have to have a donation. You have to have someone donate their stem cells to you and they have to find a match. And And is that um, pretty difficult to find a match? Like it is pretty difficult um, to find the bone marrow match? I'm sure for a perfect match for Mm -hmm. anything that you're re- putting in yeah, to yeah. your body. Um, I know just from the one friend that I have that had a donor stem cell, her brother, I don't, I don't know that it was a hundred percent, you know, match. So I was determined and that's how I kind of treated the whole thing. It was like, I'm going to pull the most stems. I'm with my mom, like a little girl. Yeah. And so help me. I pulled 10 million, you know, like I did this complete that was my Disneyland. <laughs> I went into my, but I went into my stem cell transplant and it was like, I was going on a moonwalk or something. I, I just, you just knew it was going to work. I out. just knew it was going to work yeah. out, but I had no information, zero Lindsay of what my life would really be like. Meaning the blinders were on that. And I had no idea that for the rest of my life, I'd have to be on chemo. I, I remember saying to a friend, I go, I'm going through my stem cell and then I'm going to be done. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm never talking about this again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so then what happened? We're talking what? about it. Yes, we are talking yes. about it. <laughs> Cancer casually. <laughs> um, so what was, okay, after the stem cell transplant yes. what was it well, like then? it was like leaving the hospital as a baby yeah uh, one thing um compared you were saying megan's story i want to tell you city of hope has an entire hospital that you don't have to stay in your room they have an entire uh a hospital that is completely equipped. They, 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 you can, you have to walk a lot. You're in the oh, hallways. Cool. There's some type of ventilation that it's all, um, Oh, so pure it's like a little air. Disneyland oh, yes, for completely. stem cell yes. or, or bone marrow yeah. or cancer patients. And How long were you there for? For three weeks. Okay. Three and weeks. it could be longer for some and some people shorter. Um, for me, it was three weeks and it was not pleasant at all. Okay. It is a very weird thing to, um, have your immune system go to zero, Mm. meaning you and I, we are sitting here right now. Our immune system is working on our mouths, Mm. keeping us, uh, you know, moist or sores away or our nose or eyes. All that is gone. Your throat, you, you, you just, your body just falls apart because it doesn't protecting. Yeah. You, it's, it's ugh, not very good, but I, uh, definitely walked. I, I kept walking. Like I found out how long the hallway was going around and, you know, I tried to be the perfect, I actually was kind of the perfect patient <laughs> at Disneyland. Yeah, like yeah. I, <laughs> I had this whole motivation that it was all going to be perfect. Would you would you dress up while you were there? Would you walk around in Lindsay, your robe? Or? I honestly was acting like a movie star <laughs> at a spa. <laughs> oh my gosh! I just I do have pictures. I want to see that walking around in your Gucci you know, shoe sneakers. No, I had to I had to wear pajamas because I had an entire Hickman Freeman, which is a port that comes out of your body. I I have now a port that's right here that stays in. This yeah, was I had the that. transplant ports. And I just, I really think it's so important. And I have mentored other patients before transplant. And I say, you know, like 
we don't ever have to be in a green hospital gown. And for crying out loud, bring your own pillow yeah. and a blanket and, yeah. and and things that make you feel really good. And mm-hmm. for me, you know, it wasn't like I was getting dressed in regular clothes, but my pajamas, why weren't why would they not be leopard or <laughs> Why? Why would any pajamas not be leopard? (laughs) And some really cool, you know, family crested slippers or something. You know, that's how it did make it like very comfortable. And I would, you know, advise someone to have someone like really come and wash their laundry and just make it really pretty, you know, for you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, It's good to keep that positive mindset and like try Mm -hmm. to make life as normal as it right. can be in that situation. Right. And you, I remember that was the first time because I lost my hair oh, during okay. that. And I shaved my head before I got there, but yeah. I knew it's yeah. like they give you the dose and three weeks later and they're not joking. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I'd heard too many stories. So I decided to really crop my hair. Yeah. But I remember that was the time I, I passed the mirror in the bathroom and I remember going, oh my God, I'm a cancer patient. Oh, I know. That's the worst feeling. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm, I have cancer. Uh-huh. Like, and, wow. and you look like you have cancer oh. when you have a bald head. And, it's and a Hickman Freeman and wires coming out. And, yeah. And you're stuck like a ball and chain. People don't realize like for that three weeks that you cannot, you cannot be removed yeah. from your ball and chain. They never can unhook you. <laughs> it's, mm. it's, yeah. That's hard. And I remember that's the time that. That, that really hit me. But I was still in my everything um, is going to be great mm-hmm. and I'm going to get through this. And I was really pretty different than the people I have now mentored going into transplant. So who, who are, and why are you mentoring? I mean, not why oh, are you mentoring, yes. but where are you mentoring? Well, is what it an happened organization? to me was when, um, when I left my first hospital stay, mm-hmm. within two weeks, I went from literally, if I showed you a picture, now you'd be able to see certain things because you'd say, well, maybe you looked a little yellow in that picture, but <laughs> I was still completely put together. And when I left the hospital within two weeks, I looked like I was nine months pregnant. I had so many transfusions and my kidneys, you know, having had shut down so much, the amount of fluid, I was hunched over. My body was so broken that when I healed a little bit from that, I remember making a promise to myself. I remember thinking, what am I going to look like? I remember thinking like, you know, some people have incredible epiphanies, you know, facing death. Yeah. And I'd like for mine to be something that I could tell you that was like, I'll do anything for my children or something. Mine was literally, oh my gosh, I can't live like this. Like I've lost Donna. And this has always been who Donna is. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I remember almost clothes I wore in first grade. Okay. Oh. I, I, I know what those made me feel like, what it has always made me feel like. And that part was like, oh my gosh. And I just was hunched over. And my mom, I remember my mother literally had to go to the store and buy the most enormous granny panties for me uh-huh. because I could fit in 
nothing, yeah. zero. And I remember when I started to feel, because the, the fluid started leaving me and I was doing that six months of chemo and, and remember, you know, healing, broken body, you know, really had a terrible bone uh, marrow biopsy, mm-hmm. my first one. Um, I remember thinking, if I could just show someone what it looks like after, I want, I, I just started making this promise, like, I'm going to one day walk in someone's room and say, this is after that stage. Yeah, and give a light. Like, this, this is, is the is end after. of the tunnel. Because I didn't know. That was like my first thing. Like, yeah. excuse me, am I going to stay like this? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, didn't understand that part. Yeah, it's so helpful to talk to someone that's been through the same thing you've yeah. done that like makes it look right. Because it is such a weird, different, my experience, Mm -hmm. anytime I've ever known anyone with cancer, it didn't turn the, it didn't, wasn't a car wreck first. It didn't turn them like into broken intensive, they were in intensive care healing from brokenness first, then treating cancer. It, that part came because then their cancer got to that point. Yeah. Multiple myeloma get you to that point and then you're diagnosed for most of us. Crazy. So did they say how long you had had it or? My, my doctor at City of Hope actually thinks that I probably went to the last stage within about four months. Oh, okay. So it's very, very fast uh-huh. um, kind of cancer yeah. once it's in there and they think it's environmental. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows with any right. cancer? Yeah. Um, and so that's great. So how was that? Um, mentoring for you, did it help you as yes, well? To, completely. To because say. I have to tell you that the beginning of the journey, and I never speak to anyone. And if someone's listening to this, it's just starting their journey. <laughs> Turn it off now. No. <laughs> <laughs> when I mentor, only mentor about transplants. Okay. Okay. We don't talk about what happens after because I was, and I am different. There are people who become absolute medical experts. They know exactly what the future holds or this, that has never been me. But when I'm in the moment, I am an A plus, you know, in that moment with my doctor and listening to what she wants me to do, but I'm not, didn't go any further. And so, um, I stick, stick with that with them. Like, and the most important thing for me is really to go in there like right now, like how I look. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. To just pop in or, and I usually, it starts with a phone conversation and then I say, do you want me to come by and see you? Oh, that's For great. a moment so and then. how do people find you? Is there's it City of Hope. City of there's Hope. a okay. mentoring program. Yes. Okay, that's great. And so they have connected me. And then within that group now, because it's been four years, I started mentoring the year after. Now some of the people that I mentored, we've crossed over and we have a little group that they're far enough into the journey now that really they're not my mentee anymore. Yeah. I'm not their mentor. You're just friends. We're all, we're, we're, we're together in this. Oh, great. And That's we, awesome. And we're all continually in treatment, mm-hmm. which they might not have known. Yeah. But now they do know. So, what, so we see each other a lot. That's wanna, amazing yeah. to have those types of friends right. that yeah um what is your treatment plan now that you've been through okay. it for years I know you still have to yes, do chemo I do um, well how it um began after my um stem cell I thought I was gonna just go home <laughs> yeah I went back and the doctor said we need to do consolidation now and I was like and what is that and they go we need to do more chemo oh. and 
And after that, they put you on maintenance. And what they've discovered, um, truly, with my cancer is um, in the olden days, if you, even when stem cells you know, began, they would give you a stem cell. They would take a bone marrow biopsy. They'd say, hey, we don't see any cancer cells. Bye-bye. And they would send you on your way. And what they didn't realize was there was cancer um, in the molecule. There was, there was residual cancer somewhere. And when it came back, it just came back and it was too much. They couldn't do anything about it. So they started to discover, Hey, these stem cells are working, but we need to keep the patient on some type of maintenance to keep that cancer. If there's any residual at bay. And so I went on a protocol of 21 days of cancer, I mean, a chemo pill, seven days off. Okay. So that started my maintenance. And is, was the chemo pill, what's it called? Revlimid. Revlimid. And And I started that and I made it for two years. Okay. And Revlimid is not that fun. Oh, okay. Uh, that was what I was going to ask. I, it have... And this is a great thing about having patient friends. Like, you know, we talk about like how sometimes you're like, God, why can they do that? They're so strong and yeah. I can't. And yeah. the only thing good I can say is some patients couldn't stay on it very uh-huh. long because it's just, ugh. What, what are the oh, side effects God. of it? Oh my gosh. Um, I had the worst mouth sores, mm. body aches. I just felt terrible, but I didn't know that because in the beginning, you're always comparing your terrible to the beginning. Uh I felt so bad. Yeah. So you felt better, but I felt better. Yeah. So, you know, it took me a while to forget what it was like to be a broken, you know, bones broken. It just, I felt I, I could, I always had that to compare it to. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm alive. I, you know, I can breathe again. I can walk again. And then it started hitting me that that got too far away and I couldn't, I couldn't compare that. I had to compare what's today. Uh What, what do I feel like today? So I had to tell my doctor, is there something else I could do? And she put me on a shot, which was you go I go to City of Hope and I would get a bell cage shot once a week. Okay. And it did work, but I fell out of remission. And um, I fell out of remission um, this November in 2018. Okay. And it was nothing like the movies. <laughs> nothing in the medical is really like the movies. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing is like the movies. And Love, relationships. <laughs> nothing, nothing. <laughs> boyfriends. And I love (laughs) my doctor, but she is a scientific mind. And I think you start to almost expect things that you didn't know. I thought she would be, be really gentle with me and say, well, whatever. And, but I hadn't lived those things before at that point, she's saving my life. And I really appreciated that part of her, you know, we're going to do this and this is the path and you know, that's scientific. But when it got to the emotional part, when I started to express, she would say, do you need to see a psychiatrist? And I'm like, I'm on steroids. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't she know? (laughs) And falling out of remission was one of those things where I've had, I'm I'm probably not telling you as many, but I'm going to say I've had five monumental breakdowns, like five 
and that was one of them Okay, where something came over me because I'm not, I am one of those criers that I'm not crying, but when I do, it's so ugly. Oh, (laughs) but it's extreme. It's just an extreme. Yeah. 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 And I remember I really thought like maybe I was even her favorite patient. <laughs> I was always all, patient. Yeah, like I was always all really good when I went yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Oh yes, and oh, where'd you get your shoes? And oh yes, yeah. and everything's great because I'm in remission. Everything great. And the moment she said it to me, probably not in the way. And what do you mean I'm falling out of remission? And yes, we need to start treatment next week. And I just this the f bomb just started going. And in my head, You're on I, steroids. I was gonna run. <laughs> oh wow! I was gonna run, and I was gonna leave at all. It was like, I was having a complete meltdown at the same time. I wanted to prove to her that I don't need to see a psychiatrist. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. So that well, was like I a mean, learning thing yeah. for me to realize that it's not what you think it's going to be in those moments. And hearing you know, something, I wanted the doctor to hold my hand. Yeah. <laughs> and hearing something like that, it's like, you have to go through the different stages of grief, yes, you know, like just, you're angry and you're uh, mad and you're like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I've <laughs> already never had a break. Yeah. I've been at this four years, yeah. you know, I've never been off treatment. And, you know, that's where that, the thing we were maybe talking about before where you're, you literally, you look out at another cancer patient and you're like, oh, I'm so jealous. Mm. They're, they're been, they don't have to be on anything else now. Yeah. Oh, I wish that we could be like that. (laughs) Yeah. So for, as someone that's like active on social media, like yourself, like you post the most amazing photos of yourself and your outfits are all amazing. What is that jealousy like to, with other cancer patients? Do you, uh, do you find it's exacerbated on social media? You know, I, I think that you find your people on social media, uh-huh. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate Instagram. I don't really follow um, very many people. I I keep my own um, to, to what inspires me. I, yeah, I yeah. definitely, you know, would want anyone to um, follow who inspires you yeah, if they yeah. don't, don't follow, yeah, you yeah. know? Um, I think for me, it did start out and my message has always been this always been this. You are not me. Yeah. I'm not you. Yeah. I'm showing you a glimpse, number one of my day. And I'm showing you a glimpse of the best part of my day. Yeah. This is what makes me happy. You do not have to go to chemo like this. (laughs) Yeah. You do not, but I do Uh to make me whole. Find the thing that makes you whole. Okay. When you're, when you're there, don't lose the whatever part of yourself. And for me, from the very beginning, when I seriously was laying in a bed, completely broken, I thought I've got to get dressed. Yeah. I knew my children, my husband, my friends, my parents, this is the way they view me. And they're viewing me that way because that's who I am. Yeah. You know, I am probably as equivalently insecure as I am secure. But there's one area I feel really super secure and it's when I am dressed. I, I, I tried to analyze, you know, where that goes all the way back to and say it was, you know, a shield of something. It made me feel worthy. I don't know, but 
it comes very naturally to me in all crises mm-hmm. to to grab <laughs> something and still put a twist on it <laughs> running yeah. out the door. Okay. I've always been like that. So that's really probably the biggest thing because I know what it's like. And, you know, if I'm following someone and every weekend, maybe they're uh, going and climbing Mount Everest, maybe that's not the person I should be following. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think too, for me, um, I don't know that you even have to have cancer anymore to follow me. I think I just want to show you how yeah. fun it is to be 58 yeah. and do little twists on things. I know. I like how to model all my outfits after your outfits. Yeah, but you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, so cute. It's, it's become like I've never, um, I don't even know really how to navigate that I'm not building a business. Yeah. I am not an influencer. Yeah. I don't even know how to begin to do those things. I, I kind of want it to just organically kind of come together mm-hmm. because I want you to like what you're seeing, I think. Yeah. And if by chance you are connecting with me, I have cried because I've had a message where someone said, I put lipstick on today in chemo. Aww. And I was like, well, good for you. Yeah. But you know what I knew? I knew she already had lipstick. Yeah. I knew she wasn't saying I went and bought lipstick so I could be you. Yeah. You know, I want that. That's what I want. Yeah. For to inspire someone. And it's Just, great because it's, mm-hmm. you found something that makes you happy and it's a thing that's made you happy since you were in first grade. Yeah. And or, or, I, don't, I think it went back further than that. Yeah. I, I swear. I think <laughs> yeah. I just came out of the womb looking around and, and just wanting to, you know. Yeah. yeah. So when did you decide that you were going to start putting it on Instagram, well, putting your outfits on How Instagram. it really started happening mm-hmm. was at the time of uh, being a new patient and just going through my transplant, um, City of Hope was starting a campaign. They really, I've noticed a lot of um, cancer hospitals are using their actual patients now yeah, to speak, yeah. you know. Instead and, and, of models. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which you are. And say, oh, stop. <laughs> and say, you know, we really want, you to share your story. And they had the most incredible writer that they had hired, um, who actually was a medical correspondent from CNN. So she had a lot of experience. They brought her in full house and, and they, uh, I don't know, through a person, through a person through city of hope said, well, Donna, you know, we have this patient and she might be good. And I went in one day and they said, well, she's interviewing right now. And I swear I went into the interview and I don't even remember like interview. And then next thing you know, they're filming Yeah, and they filmed myself, my family. They filmed how we feel. There was just little excerpts that go, that you could look on their site and see, uh, they talked then from there, um, WebMD, uh, was doing a story and they said, Hey, they, they contacted city of hope and they said, Hey, listen, we have this woman here. You should contact her. And then they flew out and they did a story about getting prepared for chemo. And so I did a story on WebMD and then, um, Medscape. And then it just little, like kind of from here to there. And I, I swear to you, I am so not a public speaker. I had never posted a picture in my life on anything. Um, and from there, I remember one day the writer was telling me, because I had this blog and it was very juvenile. My blog is just very simple. Uh-huh. And she said, why don't you go on Instagram and show your clothes? At, you know, like show your outfits. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like separate the two. 
Yeah. And so I mean, that's how it started. It's so and cool. And I have to tell you, it's it's been something that for a while, I'm not going to lie, you question because it's, I like things to be very authentic to me. Uh-huh. And you question, what am I doing? And are people thinking that like, oh, look at my new Gucci shoes or yeah. I, I don't know, you know, like what am I doing? And then 95% of me knows, and this is where I could maybe start crying, that I have survived cancer from yeah. this. Oh. I think you can tell that I'm very authentic. That, and, and I've tried to kind of like every so often remind people, this is a glimpse of my day. Now, if your Instagram, you want to show the really hard parts of your day, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I have discovered that about my format. Yeah. Um, I'll show you a bone marrow and it's kind of funny. Yeah. I, mean, I could put something funny in it. Yeah. I don't really want to show you what it looked like when I came home mm-hmm. and I was so sick and so nauseated. You know, maybe that's another Instagram. Yeah. You know, I think I mine is very um, kind of trying to stay on just the fact that I'm the cancer fashionista. Yeah. And like motivating to people that, and you're the light at the end of the tunnel for all those people. Completely. But never feel because Mm -hmm. I'm maybe projecting on other people the way I feel. And that was um, in the beginning, I would read something and I would go, I am the biggest cancer loser. Oh my God. (laughs) That person just, that person just raised $20 million, you know, or, (laughs) oh my gosh, look at the food. I mean, literally I was so ill. If you even showed me a green drink, it was like, I lived on chili cheese fries. (laughs) My oncologist was like, eat anything. And these people would be trying to give me, and I was like, I'm a loser. You know, I, I've never been a gourmet chef. What makes you think? Because I had cancer, I'm going to turn into one. Yeah. I think the pressure of turning into a medical professional too. Look, I have a girlfriend. She is a freaking medical encyclopedia. Yeah. She was like that. I guarantee it, she didn't just get cancer and become wise like that. Yeah. So I have to accept where I'm wise. Yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> it's hard. You don't like you no. were talking about epiphany. It's like People think, oh, you had cancer. Like, you must be, like, so wise now. And I'm like, no, I actually don't think I'm wise. Like, uh, maybe I needed a psychiatrist, too. Um, I do think you change when you have children. Okay. I will say that I think if someone asked me what the biggest change was, Mm -hmm. because I do think, and I think you probably would be able to tell me probably that you have had some mate like things that you've been able to um, prioritize now yeah. differently. I, I think it's going to be like, I mean, it's still pretty new for me. Right. I mean, I just w- finished uh, like right. everything at the end of 2017. So right. it's still been like right. a year and a half. Yes. So I think after a couple of years, right. maybe I'm going to look and back and, and be like, and I am very wise. I think that the biggest thing for me was, um, and it's a blessing. It is like, I couldn't describe it any other way. If someone said, what's the biggest change? Cause people yeah. will ask me that all the time. Like, what did you learn? Yeah, yeah. What would you get? What advice would you give? And I was like, Oh, Jerry, you know, <laughs> <laughs> don't eat the salami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't eat Domino's. <laughs> is that for me, 
the way I've parented, it has fast forwarded a process that couldn't wait. Yeah. And my relationship with three children who I can't tell you, like my love for them. How old are they? They're 29, 26, and 19. And it can't wait. And I am going to own that. We can't wait. How have they, um, like, how did they treat it all? Like, how have they coped with it? Because we were being filmed, Mm -hmm. I think because we had that opportunity, I was able to hear things I would not have. And that would be my advice to cancer patients that are listening with children. Someone very wise told me this in the beginning. She said, Donna, be authentic. I don't know that I even knew how to be authentic. I'm the person who's masking with clothing and things. But she said, be authentic. And I had to be authentic to my children that I was going to try my best. Try my best. But my 15-year-old, my 20 a nine-year-old, 26, and 19-year-old, they were 15, 22, and 25 at the time. The 22-year-old and 25-year-old, had they're both boys, and they had already proven themselves, meaning they're out of the home, they're working their respective you know, careers. My daughter's 15 and doesn't really like her mom very much. Oh, Okay, that's not a nice age. Yeah. It isn't. Maybe, yeah. maybe some people will be like, oh, yeah, Kumbaya was best friends with my mom at 15. It was a real normal that yeah, age that yeah, we were going yeah. through. And I knew that my daughter would, and we've talked about this, I knew that it would be, you're kind of narcissistic at that age, and how easy would it be for her to take my cancer and make it her dilemma. I can't go to school. My mom has cancer. I get to do this with the boyfriend because mom has cancer. (laughs) Mom has cancer. And I I realized, and that's what my advice would be to someone is do not change a rule in your home. You know, just because you have cancer, you, you keep it so steady because as a mom, you want to protect your kids against every single thing in the world. And little did I know that one day I would wake up and be my children's deepest pain. And that made me mourn for weeks. Like, oh my God, I could be causing my children the pain that my whole existence as a mom was saving them from pain. And oh my God, what if mom dies and I'm leaving this, you know, I'm, I'm causing them the most pain. I, I have friends who still talk about how they didn't have a mom or, you know, how yeah. you have those scenarios and those are playing in my mind and, and in my, to my own husband. I mean, I watched literally in the beginning, I, I mourned my, my being as a mom and a, I mean those feelings. So I worked really super hard, my 15 year old the most. Mm-hmm. And I am just delighted to say that she is 19 years old and she is my favorite girl in the whole world (laughs) and we had to cut through the bs of life and get to the nitty-gritty and i've done that with all three of my children put it on the table let's do some forgiveness here let me know i do not want you to be a 50 year old looking back saying my mom hurt my feelings and i didn't heal that so we've talked. Yeah. We've, um, we have a, um, we first, we call it a remission um, year travel 
thing we started the first year. Um, we went to Tulum, and oh. this will be our fourth year. And so and you'll all go as I'll a family? All go as a family. Oh. We're, yeah. And, and so that has kind of like, this is the first year that it's kind of, I was, I fell out of remission oh. and I had to show my kids on that trip too. Again, like I'm going to get back in remission, Yeah, but I was sick, you know, and I've had to be like really authentic about that stuff yeah. around them. So what is your treatment so now? So right now they have a new treatment. Well, it's, it's called immunotherapy okay. and I started, um, I wanted to put it off after the trip, <laughs> yeah. doctor wouldn't have it. Yeah. No, Same you, will, doctor? you will start. Or yeah. did you oh, end never, up? I've, I've okay. been at the city of hope. I would never. Good. I'm so lucky. Somehow multiple myeloma is just growing oh. and growing. And I feel really super. Um, I feel really fortunate that I started four years ago. I'm with the same hospital, the same doctor. There is a comfort in yeah. not having to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Everything is there. Mm -hmm. Everything is there. Yeah. Um, so I had to start immunotherapy. And what immunotherapy is a type of chemo using, it's a Darcelex chemo. It's using your immune system and massive amounts of steroids, um, Together in that combination, somehow your own immune system is fighting the cancer. And don't ask me anymore because <laughs> this is layman's terms, yeah. okay? So somehow your own immune system is fighting the cancer cells. They're, they're getting stronger and they're fighting inside your body. So to say the least, does it feel very good when your body's fighting <laughs> yeah. inside? And they start out that you do um, 10 hours you begin because what it's so diluted, the product, they have to make sure that you don't go into respiratory failure or anything. So you start out doing these uh, therapies, which are 10 hour long. Oh my gosh, how often? You start every week. Okay. And then you work your way down, work your way down, work your way down. And I am now had my last every two weeks. I worked my way down to every two weeks and I'm now down to like two and a half hours. Okay. And then um, next month I will work once a month. Nice. And then in between you stay on a 21 day um, protocol of a chemo pill and steroids every other week that you're not doing the steroids when you're doing your, your therapy. Yeah. Um, how are the side effects from all of that? Is it like the type of chemo that makes you super... Um, sick afterwards. I you still have yeah. hair, beautiful hair. I, it's like you. my dream hair, actually. Uh, you know what? That's the thing about chemo. That's kind of a misconception. Mm -hmm. There are certain chemos that make you lose yeah. your hair, and there are certain that do not. Yeah. Um, this has not ever. I had the chemo that made me lose my hair. Yeah. This one does not. But the side effects. Um, you know, everyone is different, and I will tell you, the 2019 has been a very, very tough year for me. Oh, really? Very tough. Okay. So I'm taking a little break right now, and I'm going um, on my on a trip to Paris with my husband. Oh. And it's been the first time that me, and this is nothing I advise anyone to do. You know, when you're listening to other patients ever talk about medical, whatever their treatment is, that is something you must go over with your own doctor. Yeah. For me... I needed a break mm -hmm. and it you is not know yourself doctor advised, but I went off my weekly. Yeah. Um, I, I still do immunotherapy, but I'm going to be off everything. And I've been off everything in between for about, uh, 
four weeks now. And then when I go away, I won't have my next treatment to the 27th. It's the longest I'll ever be between treatments. And I have to go back on. Yeah. I have a very high chance right now of falling out of remission oh. doing this. So no one would advise you. It was a pa- patient choice. Yeah. Um, sometimes, and this is why you need the friends, mm-hmm. um, especially years out when you have, these are like, these cancers turn into chronic illnesses yeah. when there's, when you're being, you have to be treated. So you need to talk to someone sometimes and have that friend at this point part of the game yeah. instead of the beginning. I had no idea that yeah. this part of the game existed when I was doing Disneyland back then. <laughs> I thought I was done. I yeah. thought you went in remission and you were done. Yeah. And in order to stay in remission, you stay in treatment. Yeah. And then there's all these new things that hopefully one day they'll say, hey, listen. Well, yeah. I mean, they make so much, yes. so much progress. Right. And, I mean, 10 years ago, triple positive right. breast cancer, which is what right. I had was like the, yeah. like a death sentence. And right. now it's like really good. I think the hardest part for anyone that has the treatment is that my fear now is not dying of cancer. It's mm-hmm. dying of treatment mm-hmm. because yeah. who can, how long can I make it Yeah, on four, uh, four years, oh. you know? So, so that's probably more the fear for me Yeah, is um, having to be rehospitalized three times because I had got pneumonia. Yeah. You know, because my body's so weak from treatment. Yeah. Um, so are you feeling in this one month break mm-hmm. that you are taking, have you felt better? I have. Okay. But emotionally, yeah. You I think 2019, I was just telling my husband that I think that there's all different years and like you're saying you're close and there's survival years. Mm-hmm. There's blessing years. Yeah. There's I lived. Yeah. I can't even, how can I complain? You know, I'm at the city of hope. I walk in there. I can see a child in a wheelchair. I mean, yeah. I, I have turned myself, you know, so many times around my own feelings by seeing someone else far worse. Yeah far worse than I am. And then at the same time, I've had this totality on me this year that seems so real and I don't know where I had hit it before. You know, so it, you, you have to kind of, um, own that too. I think that's what was so great about listening to Megan. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe I was doing that and I really, really, try to talk to my husband. I think a lot of time we are so lonely. Mm-hmm. Cancer is very lonely. It is. You can look like us, go out there and people don't know because they have no idea when I get home, you know, I'm popping an Ativan. I'm so <laughs> nauseated. I don't feel good. I never gone dancing again. Aww. You know, um, it's not that I couldn't, but I, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Just certain things have changed for me and my weakness. And Do you just, you don't feel I don't like have energy oh, anymore. Okay. I don't have what I had. Yeah. And, um, and I could, but then I'm all, I use energy for other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's priority of energy yeah. for some people, maybe because the moments I do go, I'm using all of it. So for me, night is ending at eight now. I used to be able to stay up till two in the morning. You know? <laughs> well, me too. And, or just um, like but now they I don't, don't see without makeup, rashes, yeah, and yeah, yeah. like 
things I'm hiding on my body and Aww. and steroids. Oh my God, they're the devil. Yeah, and people will go, oh, I know. And I'm like, no, I think you're on prednisone. <laughs> That's a baby aspirin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on dexamethasone. It's Aww. a big difference. Yeah, that, I think that's what the steroid I was oh, on. Oh, dex yeah. is the, uh-huh. it's, and, and, okay, so picture that you're, you have, oh, I think this is too, this, cause I wasn't on, I had to go back on because I fell off our mission. Yeah. That's part of the protocol now. Yeah. So maybe I wasn't as crazy. And, um, I think that just exasperates anything you feel. Yeah. So I, it's too hard to explain. Like I'm driving in the car and suddenly I am certain my husband's trying to been killing me. He's tried to kill me in the car. I'm like, oh my God, you're the worst driver. <laughs> and I talk to other patients and we're just, oh, our systems are all kind of jumpy. Yeah. And then we're like, I don't think you love me. Oh yeah. I totally know what you mean. (laughs) That's exactly how I was as well. (laughs) The car thing. I don't think you love me. Everything (laughs) you just said, but, um, yeah, crazy. And and then you're like, you, you, I, I think, I think this is the year I cannot get my head wrapped around my mental stability almost. So is that kind of why you want to take this Paris trip to try to I like think get... I think it was due. Yeah. I think it was like time for us to live a little yeah, bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, we're going. Yeah. And I, I think I just, I don't think I could do it. I tried to do it going on the trip with my children and it wasn't pretty. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, the trip, I, I wouldn't take it back because any moment with those kids, mm-hmm. but it, it, I just did not feel good the whole yeah. trip. And so this time I was like, I just want to feel good this trip. Yeah. I don't want to feel bad. And just like relax. And you don't need to. Yeah. Because I'm not on chemo that, that, that every day, mm-hmm. you know, I, I also get a little buildup of white cells for the plane ride. Yeah. You know, for maybe wipe I, everything down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be nice. Cause you can just yeah. relax. You don't need to go do right. all the tourist things. No, you just like relax. We just definitely completely. I know. <laughs> Well, dang. Um, So I'm so happy to talk to you and to hear your story. And um, I just, I I think it's going to be great for you. I think this parish trip is going to be the mental break you need. I think so. Thank um, you. And and to kind of regroup with my husband. It's really, really super easy. I'm sure you feel this way, Lindsay. There are days... I just want to be, and for you, it's the girlfriend. Yeah. I want to be the wife again. Yeah. I want to not be the girl that walks in the party and it's, oh. Yeah. There's the wife with cancer. And yet I put myself out there because I'm the cancer fashionista. Yeah. But there's very conflicting times when I just want to be me again. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to own that maybe there's a new me. There's a new me and I can work both these parts into my life. Mm-hmm. But for my husband, I need to be just a wife, I think, on this trip. Yeah, well, that's and, perfect. And not talk constantly yeah. about... And not have people that know you right. as the cancer fashionista. You'll yeah. just be out yeah. in Paris. And... Completely, completely. Yeah. And I honestly think we've had to just talk a lot just about all the, um, just the you know, what we've been through mm-hmm. together. It's so hard on a relationship. I mean, yes. marriage or, 
I mean, I right. feel like it's, I mean, I'm not married, but right. I feel like it's probably one of the hardest things you can go yeah. through in a, any relationship, yeah. whether you're married or you're in a brand new relationship. Right. I think so. for me, it was, um, I think because we were 55 at the time mm-hmm. and we had kind of worked through, yeah. um, we were in a really nice, um, stage, um, that's the thing about cancer. It, it, whatever you have in your life, you bring with you. Yeah. I mean, if there's a bad relationship or, you know, I feel really sorry, you know, cause some people have really bad situations happening with their children. Yeah. Uh, for me, my marriage was very stable, but there was an enormous sadness that I had worked this hard, been married for 30 years and some girl was going to step into my shoes uh, it was like really weird. So is that Jack's fault? You know, is that my husband's fault? Yeah. But yet I saw myself like, oh, what are you doing down at coffee? Oh. Okay. <laughs> what is she talking to you for? Be- suddenly I was really jealous and my husband did things for a year because I couldn't participate. You can't be in crowds. Yeah. I'm not going to go sit at church yeah. with my husband. And he, I thought, you know, oh my gosh, I could see, like I had to prepare him and I got really controlling. I have three children. To, well, let me give you the list of what you should um, marry if I'm gone. Aww. Let me like this insane, I'm sure I yeah. was really hard on him, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, you don't know how you're going to. Because I was walking ex- away from everything I built. Yeah. And then some other woman gets my grandkids, gets, oh, I mean, just the, the I mean, the, I can talk about it now because then it just would, I'd cry for days. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh, you make a piece that you do realize that we know that something's inside of us, but there's something that's lurking behind the corner too that we don't know for everybody in life. Yeah. We just happen to know it, and yeah. it's inside us. Yeah. It, it's scary. It's yeah, just a different. It is scary. You know what I mean? It's different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, I mean, anyone things, it can, can. Anyone. It, people it are going can, to have yeah. bad things happen, and yeah. it might be not cancer, and we're yeah. all going to. Par- I get it. Yeah. It's still really hard to explain to someone that our own bodies are our worst enemy. Yeah. Somehow. You know, but at the same time, I've come to realize, like, well, let's just enjoy what we have and let's quit trying to pick out a new wife. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. Keep that advice. It's sad to think about that. It, that is so sad yes. to think about. It oh makes me sad to just think no. about it. And, and just like, oh my God, I would go all the way to like, like, this is the man I love. And why yeah. would I think he would pick someone so awful? <laughs> but it was all the way to that point of like, oh my God, you're going to ruin what we've built. And <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like there's a movie about that. What oh is that God, movie? I don't, oh, I think there was. Is there it was is. like a Julia Roberts movie or something. Like, I feel like, like it was, was too depressing to watch. Yes. Though. No. Don't watch it. I, well, I have a committee now. I have a committee. Okay, good. My sisters and I have friends. They're yeah. on a committee and they're yeah. going to vote. Yes. Okay, good. Okay. See, you've come up with a game plan and that sounds like a way funner game plan than completely. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But yeah, it is hard for the person in the relationship because it goes from Mm -hmm. like being this fun 
wife or Completely. girlfriend and like you yeah. you were like a right. social butterfly yeah. and then all of a sudden it goes from him being like your counterpart right. in this fun life to him having to be a caretaker yes and to not talk about it mm-hmm. so we talk about it and it's like you've got to be upset I'm upset yeah I'm upset yeah so I'm sure you're a little resentful that this has happened to us. You know, I mean, let's say it out loud kind yeah. of thing. And 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 I, I do want to say, getting back to children, it's so important to listen, but just listen to what they have to say. I, my son said to me once, and it just broke my heart. He said, Mom, do you know when your expiration date is? Oh. And I thought, my gosh, how long? Do kids walk around and they don't ask that question and they think that their parent knows, you know, I mean, he's an adult and he thought for sure I was hiding that. So if we didn't have that communication, I, I told him, I, I said, I would never lie to you about that. Yeah. So sorry. You carry that in your heart for any oh. amount of time, but I will make you a promise, you know, that I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep fighting. But I don't know that. But that's the part you don't know with your children. Um, I know my daughter has said this in another um, interview, so I know she wouldn't mind me sharing this. Um, you know, when she was 15, you know, there was things, even when I was six, she would say to me things like five months in, and I thought it was like teenage things. And she said, you know, Mom, I'm never going to have kids. And I was just already at that stage where I'm like, it's easier to let that thing go than being like, well, let me tell you, you are really hurting my feelings because <laughs> you are my daughter. And so I let it go. I let it go. And probably a year later, she was doing an interview for City of Hope. And I heard her start crying. And she said, I don't want to have children. The moment I saw my mom in the hospital, I said, I will never have children. Because I can't have children without my mom. And I would never have put those two things together. So I had to put them together. And that's what we miss with our kids. Maybe they're fighting over here about something. And, and as the patient and as the mom, I have to go and, and ask them, you know, really super honestly about that. I, I did work on that with them and, yeah. and that's the thing no I, I I'm like you. this no. is a teary episode <laughs> I just am like yeah yeah, yeah. No, it's, that is that's the part when someone says like what have you changed the most I'd yeah. say those relationships yeah it's the only part I can change the most that is so cool that you have that I, I, um, I want to jam openness. in I want to jam in. So what if the odds right now are these odds? I don't know that that's true. And I don't say, okay, I know what the odds are right now. I can look them up on the internet. I I see. Maybe I'll beat those. But I'm just going to take those, though, and make sure that I get in what I was waiting to get in. And I get it in. Yeah. Well, the kids will tell you, gosh, darn, she gets it in. Yeah, I mean, if you have five years left, if you have a hundred yeah. years left, if you have right. like a week left, like yeah. you got to live each day. I mean, right. that's what and it's too hard to explain is. to anybody else yeah. that yes, we're all like that. It yeah. doesn't. You don't need cancer, but yeah. I am telling you, we don't. 
Yeah. We don't. But when you get cancer, it is it is something so different. It is something. It's like I tried to explain to someone, like, just pretend that whatever you believe in, God came down and said, in six years, I'm going to make you have the most fiery car crash you've oh. ever had in your life. And now go live your life. Now, ask me that question again, because I have a fiery car crash kind of cancer. Yeah. So, oh. you know, I already know what it feels like, too. I already know what my cancer feels like. You know, so it's too hard, you know, when people even do that. That could be a whole other show. I think that show we need to do. What have people said to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have your own show. Tell us any hope what you do, need to have a what podcast. What do people say to you that make you feel really good? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm sure you There's have a so few. so many, yeah. Wow. Well, you are so inspiring. And, uh, oh, you. man, it, I, I'm just so inspired that you have made your family so together and open about this cancer uh, experience. And, um, I know that that's so hard to be in a relationship, yeah. but having kids, um, I just can't imagine. Right. So I'm glad that you, you and your daughter are best friends. We are. <laughs> We're like great gardens. That's yes. what my husband calls Aww. us. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you yeah. for coming on oh the show. Oh my gosh, that it's was, been so great. Yeah, see, I could talk fun. to you all day. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just keep crying though. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you.